Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Ohm. It's your host, Mario. And I'm coming at you with a very special guest today, a project I've been following for a long time that I'm really excited to hear about. I got fellow Morehouse student, Will Cooper, William Cooper, with us today. Uh, Will is a Morehouse student and entrepreneur in the Atlanta area that is excited to share with us info about his new app coming out that he's co-founding, United Market. Will, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, what you've been working on, your entrepreneurial job. So basically starting out, um, going into college, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, basically. And, you know, looking around kind of just my family and like family friends, a lot of the people that my parents knew were entrepreneurs, um, going to Wilbur, that was a lot of who I saw, you know what I mean? And I knew I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer, anything that required so much more schooling just because that wasn't my thing. And I'm not the, I'm a good student, but I'm not a student at heart that could just sit there and make that my passion. Um, and so, you know, that's what got me interested into real estate was basically the fact that it was more of a sales position and I could nurture a business that could pay out in the way that an entrepreneur kind of like field would. So I'm currently trying to become a commercial real estate broker. Um, United Market, that was an idea that me and my roommate at the time, Ronnie, had came up with. It was a much more broad idea. He, you know, initially he came to me with the idea of an app. I wasn't involved in it, but over time of us just like bouncing ideas off of each other, we just came together and was like, let's actually try this and, you know, just take it serious and see what can happen out of it. And I really think that, you know, it is kind of a perfect storm situation that we had set for us with kind of all that transpired yeah. from start to where we are now. I feel with it. I feel that a lot because in my entrepreneurial journey and just like figuring out what I really want to do with my life, it's become apparent to me that it's not really what you set out to do that will create those ideas. It's kind of just like having the mindset and mm -hmm. kind of being in that direction that really brings those ideas to you for you to you know, figure out where your calling is or where you really want to put a lot of your, devote a lot of your energy into. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about like your inspirations entrepreneurially? So in my inspiration in the beginning was first off, I just had it kind of internal, like in myself. This is what is something that I felt. Um, the reason I'm so spiritual now is a lot because of just the way in which I was feeling about becoming an entrepreneur. It was something that I really wanted to do. This wasn't something that I just said I was going to do and, you know, not take serious or not actually try it. And I feel like an inspiration for me, I would have to say would definitely be my dad um, in terms of just seeing his work ethic and seeing kind of where he came from, which was, I mean, the house was no bigger than this apartment, had like eight siblings, you know, low, like poor, basically growing up his entire life. 
and just seeing kind of like what he was able to do, even though, you know, he started his own business now. It's called Primo um, Health. Basically, people can go on there and talk with a doctor anytime that they want to. Um, he's had a couple of his first appointments um, get set up and everything. But a lot of it was me and my dad. We kind of motivated each other in a way like and I don't really know how to explain it. He's been probably my biggest inspiration other than, you know, someone who I consider to be a second father to me, which is Mr. Lampley. He was a commercial broker. Um, he was kind of somebody that I hung out with his two sons a whole lot when I, we were basically best friends. I'll be over there all the time. He was a commercial broker. I knew that his field was not a doctor. It wasn't a lawyer, but I wanted to know. I was interested in what he did because I could tell that it was something that was very rewarding. And I was like, what do you do, basically, kind of just as a kid seeing, um, you know, the type of lifestyle that they were able to live and just curiosity. And so those two. And I mean, I guess kind of, you know, like a far kind of inspiration is definitely like literally when I was little, I had like this obsession with Michael Jordan, like literally, even to this day, I still have like an obsession with this man, but not in a way of which I would want to meet him, but the way in which that like he approached the game and the way that he kind of just like viewed his own, like his mindset to be successful was kind of something that I wanted to mimic in my own mind. Mm. And it'd be kind of just my own original way of doing it. Yeah basically it's funny you say that because like i take kobe as a huge inspiration how he talks about the game he thinks about it similar to michael yeah but like i don't know kobe's got they have the similar tenacity but kobe's just i guess because he's a more modern example yeah he just has that tenacity to like go at it and study every small detail and try to perfect it which really got me it fired me up as a young kid yeah and the, the thing was though and why it was jordan was because when NBA 2K had dropped in 2011, it was 2K11, they had Jordan on the cover of it. And this was at a point where I never really looked at Jordan highlights. And so mm-hmm. I went on YouTube and the shit that this man was doing, I was like, whoa, I was, yeah. you know, I was like blown away. And I was like, this is, this is, I mean, this dude is a killer, yeah. you know? Um, but even, you know, watching the last dance, and just seeing kind of how he, like his own mindset, literally. I mean, Kobe too. I mean, just, yeah, I think those two examples are really good examples of people that had an insane level of focus towards something. I never watched The Last Dance, but I know it's something on my watch list. Yeah, I would say definitely watch it. It's really good. Yeah. It's funny how we are able to take inspiration even away from our own crafts. Like you said, you want to get into entrepreneurialism. Like me as a mechanical engineer with like entrepreneurial hopes and dreams that I wish to accomplish, we could still take attributes or things that they have, even though it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. It's completely. And speaking of people that transfer some of those skills, like think about Shaq as people in the community of Atlanta, the way he's able to expand business and still be a prominent figure, not only in the sports world, but just as a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, Shaq is very in the community of Atlanta. He, you know, he gave, um, I had a friend a while back who won, like, I think it was some type of scholarship from him. Um, my friend Saquon, but he got, like, some type of reward from Shaq. But I know he donates a whole lot of money. He, yeah, he's he's a good dude, really. Yeah. So to go into, like, 
the real shit. I know a lot of people, when we initially think of building wealth, mm-hmm. many people first start going into the world of real estate. And especially with the way times are now, with like the market's crazy, but there's still so much opportunity. Could you give us a little bit of insight of what it really takes to get into the real estate realm? So that's a good question. I would say that starting out in real estate, you really just need to focus on selling yourself, no matter if you want to go into commercial or residential or if you want to be you know, doing like flipping houses or wholesaling, all these things just require people skills. Mm -hmm. And because you're not going to be able to find good deals as an investor, if you can't talk to people, you're not going to be able to go out and get clients to, you know, give you a deal because you don't have, it comes down to really just people skills and your ability to build relationships and utilize relationships that you already have to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big one. Yeah. And I think with real estate going into it, I would say, you know, I I would say that you want to focus on whatever you need to have your your kind of like idea behind. Okay, am I going to do residential? What's going to be the plan behind it? You don't want to just get your license and be, you know, in a position where you don't know what you want to do. And that kind of happened to me, I guess, in the beginning. But I knew I wanted to be in commercial though from the time I just got it, just because I was like, you know, in college, if somebody wants to, you know, give me a deal here and there, then I'll do it. But this is primarily for commercials. Like I want to be in commercial. I didn't see myself doing residential. And you need to understand the differences in personality between the two. Commercial. And it comes down to this one thing that I was taught in my leadership and professional development class. Um, it's Miss White who taught that. And so she, they just kept talking about the no like and trust, like trust factor, which is people buy from people who they know, like and trust. And so if you can develop that skill of people knowing you, liking you and trusting you, then you could be successful in sales. And so I think, you know, that's a skill that I'm still working on to this day. It's a, I mean, it's hard to develop that, um, especially, you know, in an adult level environment, um, because that's really who you're going to be targeting as your potential clientele. And so it really just comes down to having a plan and executing that plan, literally. I mean, I know some residential agents who make a killing. You know, I know some commercial agents who make, a ridiculous amount of money, you know, every single year. Um, but they all have that no like and trust factor and they all have the ability to make valuable connections. Yeah. Having the ability to form and utilize those relationships, I've realized is key in my journey because I'm in one of the last episodes that I had, we talked about like talking about MLMs and pyramid schemes mm-hmm. and how at first it seems like you're putting in a whole bunch of effort to not make that much money because they tell you or you join and you think like, yo, I'm going to get paid $20 a month or something like that to, or $20 a call just to like set up appointments. But then they tell you like, you got to call your friends, your family, your aunt. And it's not that they're trying to leech that, you know, clientele from you, but that's literally how everybody gets started. Whether you're in the MLM or you're in a fortune 500, like it starts with who, you know, yeah. Always. And, you know, you would be surprised at 
you know, there have been times where I've been connected to certain people who I didn't even know they had that connection. Like to, mm-hmm. so it's really just, you know, create and really, if you can identify the people, I'll say in real estate, there are going to be those people out there who are all for supporting you. I have a couple of people right now who I know that they, and for whatever reason, they, you know, they just want me to be successful. That's what they, you know, that's what they want. And so they literally go out and they, whenever they hear something about real estate, they just refer them to me. And those are the type of relationships that you can really build off of. And it, it, every single agent has somebody, a lot of, you know, people who have been doing it for a long time. They've got a lot of people like that. But in the beginning, you're going to have those people who literally are like, okay, I, he's an agent now and this is who I'm going to work with. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't even, they, those are just going to be the people, it's, it's called like low hanging fruit almost, but they can help you be successful. The people that are willing to give away that info or just share as long as you're willing to do the work that it takes. I find that important. One of the things I wanted to touch on, is you said you're getting a lot more like spiritual now and getting in tune with yourself and like what you, the conscious decisions that you make to get to where you want to be. And the idea of building relationships is not something that you just wake up one day and you choose, like, I want to go make better friends. Like you saying you want to be in commercial real estate or you want to make more mature friends as in commercial real estate. You're not finding people that are our age, like 18 through 20, trying to buy like 18,000 square foot offices. They're mostly older people. So how did you, would you, for someone starting out or someone that aspires to be in that position, how would you begin that journey of reflecting on yourself to get to that point? Of making valuable connections? Yeah. So really, I would say that it the person and who you are is the biggest thing that matters. And for me, I have a world of connections that I can make because of who my parents are and us living in Atlanta for so long. That's something that I can use in commercial because a lot of these people are doctors, lawyers, whoever. Not everybody has that, you know, and for the people who don't have that, I would just say get involved in your community. You know, you have to, you know, be out of your comfort zone in a lot of um, settings. And when I say get involved in your community, go and find out who owns stuff, make friends with those people. Don't just sit up here and like go to your gym and just tell people like you need to talk to the people who own something, who have the ability to get you a check. You know what I mean? I wouldn't talk to a whole bunch of just random people. Cause you're going to waste time doing that. And I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to waste time doing that, but there's a more efficient manner that you can go about it. And that would be finding out who owns. So this would be through a database that your commercial brokerage probably owns um, through CoStar, I believe is what it's called. And you can go through and see who owns properties. All you do is call them like, hey, you know, I'm William Cooper. I'm looking like, are you looking to sell like this, that, and the other? And then, you know, you ask them for a meeting. You, it's a, it's a whole like little protocol and kind of thing that you can do for a long period of time and you'll start to make those connections but you have to understand that everybody's calling those same people that you are and you need to be consistent that's the thing so a lot of times people and be consistent 
in a manner of this business owner knows that every single like month or two months, he knows that you're going to call him because there's a lot of people who call once and get told no, and then they stop. But then the people who keep calling, even if they get denied a third time, they're going to call again. And then what this does is in the person who owns the property, they're like, they get to a point where they might actually be trying to sell. And then look who calls again is this person. And now it's, yeah, you know, I'm looking to sell this, that, and the other. Like, you've been calling like this, and you know what I'm saying? I know who you are, all that. So it's really just about staying persistent and, like I said, just making valuable connections, not just. That's really insightful for people that are looking for that type of want to get into that room. But to flip the page and add on to, like, your skills and what you've learned from that, from the real estate room, Talk to us a little bit more about the story of how United Market came to be a thing and how you were able to implement your skills to make it where it is today. So here's the thing. Starting out, hmm, in real estate and United Market, um, with real estate, I was getting, I was doing like cold calling, just different things. Um, I didn't really have any actual business experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, when it came to UM and we had this opportunity, it was a lot of questions that me and like my co-founder, we just couldn't answer. And so the idea was very, very broad. And with it being so broad, we had the mindset of, okay, let's just build an app and then like people are going to use it. It's not how it works. You have to first, you know, identify. We we had to fail a lot before we actually ended mm-hmm. up going into the right direction. Talk and about those failures. So one main failure would be, man, wasting money on like Instagram ads you know, not knowing who the real market that we were trying to target, you know, us trying to spread ourselves so thin and it was becoming very, very difficult. And yeah, I mean, it it was, it was hard, you know, and people like really asking like, what is this? Like, what does it do? How is this different than like what I already use is that and the other. And I mean, those were good questions, but it was a good teaching ground because all those mistakes that we made is stuff that I would never do again. If I had to redo it, I I feel like we would, if we knew what we do now, we would have been twice as far as what we are today, literally. And, but a lot of that, you can't learn it unless you do it. You know, I mean, you really, you, you can, but it takes research. Yeah. It's like, like not stuff that you would initially think unless you're already in the business. Yeah, because it's it's one thing to have the mindset of a consumer and then versus having the mindset of the person who sold you what you're using. Mm-hmm. And though you have to really know the people that you're trying to target. And with us having such a wide variety of entrepreneurs, it just wasn't working because there was not one consistent problem across the entire board that would make that idea work. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's when we decided, I think like, hmm, we've been at it for a minute. So I'm I'm like struggling to remember all the different. Uh, So it was, it was, it was like sometime last year or sometime in 2020, like late 2020, 
um, we were just sitting and we were like, okay, how can we make this app better? And what can we do? And so my idea, you know, was to just focus on the music industry. We looked at our signup list and the music producers outnumbered everybody alone with the amount of signups that they had. They outnumbered the entire population of other categories that we had. And so to me, that was telling of something that they saw in the app that these other groups of people didn't necessarily see. Mm -hmm. And so from then on, we just decided to go with the music industry as a whole after just looking at the data. And yeah, ever since we did that, it's been the response has been a lot more positive. And we've gotten a lot more we, we we've become a lot more involved in the community of producers people are starting to recognize the name logo all that and now we're in a testing period about to launch yeah that's great to hear and it's great to see that you're tapping into that community being natives of atlanta like we see how big music is and how there's so much going on underground that isn't tapped into, like, we probably had no people, have friends, have roommates that want to be producers or are producing, are mixing, engineering. But it's just hard to connect the dots of, like, getting a producer and engineer to an artist unless, like, you know you know someone who knows someone or have those indirect connections. And Instagram isn't really the most efficient place to do that. Yeah, everybody on Instagram is trying to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, if the From the stories that I've heard of most producers who have been successful is they either knew an artist, like a big artist going into it, or uh, three things. They either knew the artist beforehand, so it was easy. Second thing was this artist that they had been working with actually blew up and they were just happened to be the producer that was, you know, doing it. And, you know, if you ask producers, they might tell you something different. I'm just giving you what I've seen. But for number three, a lot of it is just a one shot kind of thing. Like, oh, I saw a little baby at Linux. Let me tell them about, you know, who I am, what my music is, this and the other. Let me see if I can send them some beats. And yeah, it's a very, and then producers, the music industry is a very kind of like volatile industry. There's a lot of people getting finessed and it is ugly to see it. I mean, it really is. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. There's a couple of hit albums like over the past four years where some of the producers like throw banging beats, don't get paid for them at all. Yeah. And, you know, like a producer. <laughs> I mean, they don't get paid until the song actually releases. So you could do like a song with anybody. If they never drop the song, then you're never going to get paid for it. And then you could just imagine like the amount of money that they could have made had the song released. And I'm sure that when it does drop, it obviously does numbers or, and, you know, all that good stuff. And they get paid with their royalties. But it's still like, damn. And then not to mention, you know, like, when it comes to these labels, they really have the main power in the music industry, literally. Unless you're with, like, um, United Masters. I mean, other than that, it's really the labels who control all that. They control when stuff is going to drop. I mean, literally, they control it all. I mean, and they have the right to, based on the laws. Mm-hmm. So, tell us a little bit more about how United Market provides leverage for 
producers, engineers to so, get their stuff out there and get paid. So the way the United Market provides leverage is through collaboration and building a network of producers that you can go to to do business with. And so one of the biggest or more like kind of growing trends that we saw is, you know, producers posting, hey, I got paid collabs like DM me is five slots or whatever. And so we kind of played into that and wanted to make that into something that was more kind of organized in a sense and really bring together producers who match your talent level well not match your talent level but you guys mesh together well based on the way you guys sound you know what i mean like it really we're trying to cut out all of just like the nonsensical stuff that can take place in a business transaction with producers um and so that's really kind of what we do How's the journey of attracting everybody onto the platform? So, I mean, it's gone pretty well. I mean, you get, you know, some certain big names on there, like our list of advisors that who we have on board right now. And yeah, I mean, that's and then. So, for example, they send loops to each other. That's one main avenue of getting people on collaborate, like collaboration. So if I'm a producer and, you know, I see that you know, uh, like Matt or like Presley is offering like collabs on UM. It's like, I want to work with Presley. So I'm going to go to his thing and like yeah. book his time. But in order to do that, you have to make a UM account. And it also allows you to like stay in the loop of when this particular producer, cause they, you know, like one thing that Matt Presley and all of them were telling us was like, there is some people who have been waiting to work with them. They just haven't got to them yet. And this, like the way that that works is, you know, when they send out a notification saying, hey, I have like collabs open or anything related to their business, any producer that's interested in that can immediately click and be like ready to like go. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I get that. Well, more so on your end as, Mm -hmm. you know, the business end of it or developing the app itself. What did you guys have to go through to track those big names? For example, like when somebody, for an app of your type, like the type of app that you guys have, a lot of people will only gravitate towards it if they see big names on it. Mm-hmm. So, what was your guy? What was your idea, or what were you guys thinking of implementing to attract people in the beginning? So, to attract people in the beginning, our main focus was just to build as many relationships as we could in the music industry. We had a few. Um, we had a few that we had of like big producers and, you know, they were down to help and like support and get other people on board. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the thing with bigger producers is that you have to like the way in which you, cause I mean, we've got some pretty good names, but the big, big ones, you have to come at them with a whole different type of deal in order for them to kind of endorse your platform. But the names that we have now are pretty solid Mm -hmm. and um, like bigger name people. It's like some of them, I mean, some of them may not even like the app or whatever, but or they have their own thing going. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, we didn't really like, I mean, you know, if they, if they use it, they use it. If they don't, they don't like, um, that's kind of, but the names that we do have now, you know, we have, another person who they're helping us kind of build um 
like ways to engage the producer community with ideas that we didn't think about because we're not necessarily a producer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be a pretty big addition too. Okay. Was it a lot of just like cold calling or going to an each event? You know how we do those credits, those credits with the um where people they drop an album and then like we give like credits to the producers who yeah, like yeah, everybody. Yeah. And that's been the main thing, literally. I mean literally, that's been the main thing. I can't think of I mean, yeah. It, mm-hmm. that's been the main thing in terms of getting those eyes. Um, because even if you if you get you know look at a lot of these albums a lot of the same producers are on it and so over time they just continue to like look at the dms they're like what is this you know what i mean and so they finally like say like yo like and then that's when we just tell them about the idea it's actually it's actually pretty good and you think you said earlier how you guys spent a lot of money on ads and stuff in the beginning (laughs) it's crazy how like you come around and all you have to do is like tag them but yeah and you were just saying the real estate like you stay consistent and mm-hmm. you keep on just you're in their ear you're in their mind continuously to the point that like it just happens one day yeah. and the thing about it is is what i've realized is every single time that you are wrong or every single time that something doesn't go your way there's only going to be a matter of time before things start going your way because mm-hmm. you've made all the wrong decisions you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you're going to experience the better deals and the better opportunities for yourself yeah. in the business. And so it really just comes down to having that thick skin to, you know, sit there and like deal with ignorance, deal with whatever, you know, I got, you know, some things I don't want to say, but it's, it's been a whole lot of like, not, not in relation to internal UM, but mm-hmm. in terms of me and my co-founder going out and trying to network, we've been in so many situations that were like, man, what the hell? All of that was just to learn basically. Yeah. And you know, it steered us in the right direction. And it's a story to tell, like, or just something to experience and be like, yeah, I've been through this. Cause like, I think in certain times we take ourselves too seriously, starting from in the foundational period where we're at, where we're just trying to start out something for ourselves. One thing I feel like dwindling or just like not as prevalent as it used to be is the ability to try because we feel like there's a whole bunch of eyes on us. What has allowed you to step out of your comfort zone and be able to just try? Well, so the thing that kind of got me out of my comfort zone is... And this was something that I struggled with um, back when I was younger and before I did a whole lot of just spiritual work on myself and tried different things. I was, you know, socially awkward, shy, like, you know, anxiety, depression. Well, not really depression. I wasn't really, like, you know, sad. It was more so just, like, anxiety. It was just, like, a process of really just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, basically. I know that when I took the you know it's like it was this course that i took it was a spirituality course and you know like my freshman and sophomore year of college sucked i hated it i didn't you know my uh my second semester sophomore year i I finished that semester with like a one five gpa and all i did was smoke weed and play basketball with my friends but at that point in time there was a lot about life that i the entire time I was misunderstood about 
And it was it was hard for me to really start to accept some of these things that were true. But, you know, after the course, particularly on the day where I got, you know, my own healing done, that was the day where, like, I felt a lot better inside of my body, like inside of myself. And I knew that I had like a certain power that I just needed to tap into. One thing that, you know, I wish I had did sooner was get out into the work world sooner because that also helped me this past summer get out of my comfort zone. Um, But also, you know, I just never really let fear kind of stop me. I knew it was going to happen in any scenario. I mean, it's like I could I know I can't be a commercial broker and like be shy when you do it. It doesn't it's not really that bad. I mean, now I have way more confidence in myself. Um, and so it was just a really it was just a like path of just personal development, in all honesty, and understanding that, you know, the stuff that I feel everybody does, you yeah. just need to get. Through yeah, it. that's huge because. It's hard to put yourself in a 35 year old shoes with a whole career, but like. They feel the same way. It's just, it might be on a different scale, but the yeah. same feelings are evoked. Mm-hmm. And even with experience, you still gonna get that nervous feeling. Even with experience, yeah. it doesn't. It never goes away. But it 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 gets easier. And, you know, as you get better, it gets easier. Um, and it was just a lot of just repetition. Like I remember, you know, when I had we had this beat battle for UM. And I had to go up in front of the entire thing and like say I'm like it was at towards it wasn't like the intermission of the beat battle and you know they wanted us to like come up and like just talk about that or whatever and it's a lot of people in there and I I this was not expected beforehand but I knew that it was a possibility mm-hmm. but I'm not going in there thinking that I got to go up there and like talk to all these people or whatever yeah but everybody in there was signed up for the app they were all fucking with it um and it was like i was so nervous going up there you know i was so nervous like so nervous but because it was i mean close to 100 people in there maybe maybe a little bit more than 100 people probably like 110 like 115 it it was a pretty but it was in like a tight space so it seemed like a lot more people than what it actually was Mm -hmm. and everybody down there just looking at you and you on stage with the mic in front of you and so i just went up there and you know once i started talking all the nerves and everything settled and i was fine i didn't have all the anxiety that i thought i was Mm -hmm. and you know, after it, I felt a lot more confident within myself to, you know, be in front of people and talk, basically. Yeah. It's funny how it takes only, it only takes one experience. Like, even me starting this podcast, I was, I'd always think, like, yo, my voice always sounds weird in recording, so, like, I'm not even going to put anything out there. It's hard to even, the first couple episodes, I think I was just talking to myself, and that was the weirdest shit of all time. <laughs> like, I felt like a YouTuber, like, this is how, this is what their shoes are like. But then once you realize this is your passion, this is what you really wanted to do, or at least to lead, spread your ideas and fuck if people critique them because you're only gathering more information to be able to, you know, hone that skill, hone that passion, hone your product to be what it is today. Yeah, and... Yeah, I, I, I'm living proof of all that because, you know, I had been through 
just so much and so many opportunities that I had wasted just because I didn't want to be outside of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. literally. But yeah, I'm I'm at a better stage now, and yeah, like now it's it's a lot easier. I still do get like you know, but then I think about it from this standpoint too. Any other field that I would have gone down, it would have required the same thing. Like, what does a lawyer do? Like, you have to get exactly. up there and talk in front of people. What does a, you know, a heart surgeon have to do or a brain surgeon? They got to fucking, I'm sure they get nervous having to, like, yeah. do that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what if I actually mess something up? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to have an int- For that type of work, you have to have a very intense focus and for either or. And you just need to get past it basically and not let your fear control you um and once you do that i mean you really can do anything oh god you made a huge point with lawyers because like or some defendant lawyers are out there knowing their their client is guilty but still going out there and preaching as (laughs) if they believe like yo he deserves he deserves you know minimum penalty yeah and it's i mean you'd really gotta Lawyers are really, you know, I didn't want to be a lawyer just because, number one, the school. And number two, I didn't feel like having conflict every day I woke up in the morning. Like, what is this lawyer going to say to me to piss me off? Like, you know what I mean? Or what is what did this client of mine do this time? Like, it is, and, you know, seeing that and how lawyers act firsthand, I'm like, y'all are y'all are y'all are evil i'm like y'all are evil like y'all are like Like, this technically is legal but (laughs) yeah like but they be you know it'd be like they'd be ready to fight each other and it'd be over some serious shit and i'm i'm nah i just didn't feel like having to do all that because the level of stress i remember when i first was like nah i'm not gonna be a doctor or anything like that because in my head i'm gonna go through all those years of schooling I'll get money. I mean, eventually, once I I mature in my education and I'm able to actually have my own practice or work at a hospital or something. But then at that point, like, what fun am I really going to have with the money? Like, I'm going to have kids by then. They're going to be going to school. And they're going to be out there like, oh, your parents got money, enjoying it, blah, blah, blah. So, like, why well, am going to do that when I can? And I don't even like like working with people. I don't want that type of responsibility on myself. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad has been sued so many times from people just, you know, the folks who, you know, like, have passed away and then they trying to blame him. A whole lot of, I mean, doctors are under some serious scrutiny. Same thing with lawyers. I mean, you know, go up there and misinterpret something and, you know, yeah. like, everybody's going to know you're His the guy. His whole that, family's after you can't show up to a certain block. Yeah, I mean, literally, it's, yeah, so, but, you know, Part of the reason, too, why I wanted to be an entrepreneur was because I just saw kind of a, I just really, I, it was all part of what I think I had just manifested for myself, literally. I don't think any, I don't think there's any other way to explain it besides that. And me just going after that thing and not really having any other focus besides just doing that. And so then I, cause I remember high school, I like, I even have the notes still on my phone right now from the top three jobs that I wanted to 
do when I was in college. The first thing that's on there in the notes from like 2017 is a business. And I was like, that's not really a job. Other thing was like an orthopedic surgeon. And then the last thing was like, um, I think the last thing was like something to do with sales or whatever. So I saw where my interest was yeah. off the rip and that's just what I focused on. Mm-hmm. I get that. So what do you major in school? Finance. Finance. Okay. Yeah. So that goes hand in hand. It's a little bit different for me managing an engineering degree, mm-hmm. but how is your journey of actually being an entrepreneur and trying to build a business and focus on school? So to do both college gave me the ability to learn a lot of information quickly. And that is one thing that I and like to think critically, you know, some people that I know personally, they don't have like the critical thinking skills that I would expect them to based on decisions that they make. And I'm not saying that to be insulting. It's just how it is. But from my perspective, you know, it's also showed me that I have to engage with people in a different manner. You know what I mean? Sometimes. And managing it at the same time was, I mean, in person school back, you know, when we had initially got started, it was interesting. It it was because everybody was like around, you know what I mean? Everybody before the pandemic, everybody was around everybody you know, if you announced that you were doing an app, everybody would know about it, literally. So the first couple of like logos that we had, which weren't even of the UM sign, it was a, a BW sign that was stood for Bridgeway. That was the initial name of it. And like everybody knew that that was the thing in the AUC. Um, but in terms of managing that with school, you know, so that you had like the crowd of people there that you were trying to market to, but school on top of that was a lot more strenuous. Now, you know, the pandemic has changed everything in the favor for, you know, me and Ronnie literally because online classes, we'd be at our apartments all day, you know, we go work out, do whatever we want to do, but the tests are now, a lot of them are conducted online. I mean, the, they've changed their curriculums, literally. I mean, some of these some of these assignments that they've had people do, they don't they took back a whole lot of like all the other stuff that they wanted to incorporate. So, I mean, literally, I had a I think junior year, I had a I took advantage of it too. I had like a for second semester, I had all A's. First semester, I had a 3-9. Only reason I had a 3-9 was because I had an A-. minus. But all that was just from online. It was it was really easy. And, well, it wasn't easy because it was a lot that I had to turn in, like meet deadlines, work with groups. So I had to stay on top of everything and not miss assignments. And sometimes in college, it gets to that point where you fall asleep one day and you wake up and it's like, Damn it, I missed that assignment. Yeah. And it's like you for it's like you knew the assignment was due. It was just it just escaped your mind to do it. And you know, getting rid of moments like that. So managing school, it, it started out tough, but it got easier when the pandemic hit. Yeah. And now it's I mean, smooth sailing to be all the way honest. And especially because me and Ronnie don't have that many classes left. So it ain't like we're like I'm taking 12 credits this semester and then 
next semester I have to take another 12 because I theoretically would have to take six, but I have to take other classes to meet the minimum deadline. So I'm not a part-time student or whatever. Um, but yeah, so it's gotten really smooth. I'm actually, you know, I, it's a disastrous situation, but in terms of school and what it's done, I think it was, I think, it, yeah, I think it was positive in a weird way. Um, like for me personally, other people would probably disagree, but yeah. yeah. You feel like what you learned there reinforced what you were working on with UM? Hmm. No, okay. I don't think so. I think <laughs> I can't even say that it did just because UM and they like you know Morehouse they have a great program like they have a phenomenal business program they get a lot of kids really great jobs out of college mm -hmm. they do not teach you how to build a business though that is one thing they don't do yeah. and they don't tell you you know what not to do in business if you want to start your own business and so, nah, it didn't really correlate. They just teach you a bunch of stuff just like, you know, if you do good on this test, you, like, you're going to get a job yeah. for the Goldman Sachs or something. Yeah. And I say, see that all across the board, even here at Tech. Like, yeah, it's just pretty much you're going to become a highly productive worker. Basically. You're, like, you want to go into business, you're on your own. You're going to have to go through those missteps. But when you were ready, well, you said you knew from the jump that you wanted to do a business. Mm. What avenues did you go to to start um, learning? To start learning, YouTube. YouTube, YouTube, and books, but may, primarily YouTube, other tech founders. YouTube University, baby. Yeah, I mean, you could learn almost anything on YouTube, literally. Like anything that you think is a thing, it's on YouTube, and somebody else does it, and they got mm -hmm. five hundred thousand followers <laughs> yeah. off of off of off of just doing that thing, literally. And so YouTube, but YouTube on YouTube, the reason I respect it so much is because there's a lot of truth on YouTube. It's not a lot of people on there who are capping to you and telling you stuff that isn't a reality because it's coming from people who live who live their life, yeah. yeah. And YouTube has helped me in a myriad of ways. I mean, personal development, like entrepreneurship. And yeah, YouTube actually broke down the mistakes me and Ronnie had made from the beginning of UM. And us looking at the videos after the fact and going forward did help us in okay. a lot of ways. Yes. Okay. So then let me break it to you like this. So a lot of YouTubers, like, they're successful in building personal development or business development skills start like courses or academies and stuff like that which in my head is another it's not like their faults or they're trying to rip you off but it's another way and possibly even a quicker way mm -hmm. to get to where you want to be mm -hmm. just you have to invest another asset in the case of watching youtube videos it's your time mm -hmm. and and going to the academy is money and time but much less time yeah and i think a lot of these courses and stuff that I see on YouTube, really, I think all you got to do is if a YouTuber is telling you the advice, just follow the advice, what you need to take the course for. 
I mean, because the course, what is it going to be? A piece of paper that's going to tell you a bunch of directions of how to go out and do something, which is exactly what the YouTube video was. I mean, like, so a lot of books and stuff, they don't really, yeah, it's going to be, you're going to have to do more than just, um, like watch a video or take someone's course. I'm not, I'm not against taking people's courses, but I do think that the onus still remains on your shoulders. You yeah. know what I mean? If it's you up to you to actually implement it. That's how I feel. Like, I'm a cheapo. I, I would invest my time because I'll sit there and watch the videos. I don't know why. Sometimes, like, I have to go read and go back through them and shit like that. But if you really want to do it and maximize the amount of potential, sit there and go through it, even if you don't even want to. Because I know there's some days, like, I don't even want to look at this video anymore. It's on my recommended page, and I'm like, it's useful. But shit, I'm not about to sit here for 40 minutes. Yeah. And a lot of things after a while is if you can find out what works for you, mm-hmm. you don't got to, um, you know, go to a YouTube video anymore. I mean, you can, but mm-hmm. it's going to be someone else's strategy. I feel like YouTube kind of helps you realize what you can do to be successful, okay. basically, more so than anything. Taking bits and pieces of information from a collective group of people and then finding your own avenue within that. Yeah. You guys had any mentors along the way that, or, well, we did have one. There's this guy, he started his own, um, his own tech startup. He was giving us a lot of advice in the beginning. <laughs> like, uh, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, he was pretty hard nosed too. uh, his name was Mr. Ortez, Ortez good. Yeah. One thing I realized getting into the corporate world is everybody does have their own way of doing things. Like, no one business will teach you how the rest of them are run. They all do it, even the way they hold their finances, the way they go about, like, implementing projects within teams is crazy. Mm -hmm. So you literally just got to be adaptable. I think that's one of the biggest skills you need as a young person today is to be able to adapt really quickly. Like you said, being able to learn things on the fly, but also critically think. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want to get back to that because you were saying how you have to talk to people differently because they don't understand it. Yeah. You know, kind of not in an insulting way, but it's the language you use because we all don't see things the same way. Mm -hmm. Have you had any experiences with that where you had to consciously think about how you're trying to portray a message to people? Definitely. Definitely. I would say almost every single day. I mean, get like just developing that skill because i mean sometimes i talk to my mom i'll say something and she doesn't get it i'm like like i mean i just said and then in my mind i'm thinking i just said it very like clear but yeah. since you don't understand this is what it is and the same thing with you know some of my friends it's like you and then yeah so it's just it's really just like a thin line of just like and sometimes you have to give a different way of explaining so or a different avenue in which to explain to them what you're trying to get them to understand mm-hmm. and might have to use an example or, you know, just make it really simple. Basically yeah. that's, that's kind of what I focus on in conversation is just keeping it simple mainly. And, you know, if people have questions after that because the directions were so simple, then any analysis that I can give after that, it could be a little bit more complex, but, still simple at the same time yeah so one of the last questions i got from your experiences with um 
and just starting an app yourself for other people that are aspiring to start an app of their own what lessons did you learn and from the mistakes that you made or even your successes and ultimately what advice would you give them going into like the ideation stages of so i would say be with whatever you're going to do be original find a problem that a group of people is having and try to solve it the best you can with technology and or look at a company that does a thing a particular way and see how you can make it different but better and like for example tinder and bumble it's like the same lady who founded tinder was the same lady who founded bumble like left the company then founded bumble bumble is a lot more categories of connection than just dating um Thinking about the future, what are things you can't make an idea for right now? You almost have to make an idea as it's unfolding. That's the best way that I can explain it. Um, be hardworking, of course, um, and be just, you know, persistent and don't give up because it's you know if you just don't give up like go go until literally you can't anymore and that's my best advice never ever 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 give up unless you you know what i'm saying got to but yeah just be persistent that's really number one is be persistent learn as much as you can look at your competition what are they doing and just think about what is this going to look like in the future and how are we are we building this app with as the problem is unfolding and as people are starting to figure out ways to solve it within themselves and that is the main thing it starts it all starts with a group of people however you define them by whatever unique characteristics that for example you're a podcaster so if I'm wanting to start up for podcasting, I would need to look at other people who do podcasts and identify what's something that all these podcasters deal with. Then you got to go into deeper questions of like, is this a problem that like, you know, higher ranked podcasters have? Or is this a pot like, you know, like intermediate level podcasters, beginner level? Is this, is this a problem that's consistent across all these groups? Um, and if it's not, then you can choose kind of what to do, you know, going forward and, you know, really you could, that will actually give you the way to kind of define what it is that you do in a lot of ways, just focusing on that one group. Some startups are very successful at focusing on no particular group in general. It's just the product they have is so solid that it can serve the needs of almost anybody. It, usually from what I've seen, it doesn't work like that. And, it's harder to build it that way because you just don't know, like, I mean, you're going to, it would be a process to try to figure out what's a consistent problem of different people. And the one thing, another, you know, key point of advice that I would say to two things is the impact that your product is having is you can't just go out and be like, okay, guys, this is a problem that we solve. This is our business, this, that, and the other. You have to almost advertise it in a way that subconsciously gets people interested in what you're doing. You can't, because 
people don't like to be sold like like people don't like to buy stuff they like to essentially be sold essentially like they don't like to they don't like people like forcing them to like buy something they want to be the ones who are like oh yeah i'll use that you know what i mean and it's a different energy that way and then the second thing that i would also say is kind of to just talk with people that you're targeting and build relationships with them and talk with people who have done what you're trying to do and maybe in a different field but you need to build a network of like other tech startup founders and hear the ideas of what they think about what you're doing and gain other perspective. It can't just be you because you don't see everything that everybody else can. And you always can learn something from another startup founder because a lot of them probably make similar mistakes that you would have. Yeah, that's really good. And you talked about a lot about the future or being able to predict the future problems that your app will solve. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious for myself, where, what problem do you see in that future for you and solving? So that really depends on how collaboration develops over time. I'm sure that we're going to find a way to make it to where our collaboration and the actual data in which they're sending back and forth to each other can be managed in a simpler manner or because right now it's they have a bunch of different like avenues of like okay this is where i take loops from now it's like i got the loops here and i gotta bring it into this system to make it into a song or whatever so making the kind of just workflow simpler for a producer i feel is something that we could really tap into Okay. Going forward in the cool. future. Uh just to share with the viewers and listeners, tell us about the when to look out for UM and release information. So United Market will be I, we don't have a hard release date set as of right now. However, we are in a testing stage. So if you do want to test the app, you can download the test flight link that is available in our Instagram bio. And that will essentially give you your kind of early first look at United Market. Our hard launch is going to be most likely by the end of this month. Um, right now, we're just getting some things worked out in our testing. And once we do that, we'll be full speed ahead. All right. Where can people find you at? Um, You can find me on Instagram at U-M, like U-M-C-O-P, U-M Coop. Uh, my co-founder is UMCEO Ron uh, at UMCEO Ron. No caps, no nothing. Just that's his name. And yeah, that's pretty much the main place. I have a LinkedIn, but I don't really check that. So Instagram is probably the main way. Yeah. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, bro. It's been a pleasure being It's exciting you. to hear about what UM's got to offer. I can't wait to see it come out on hard launch. I appreciate it. I was glad being here. Yeah. Well, this has been another episode of OWN. If you liked what you heard or anything resonated with you, please go ahead, share a review, leave a like, share with a couple friends, and let me know how I can continue to make better content for you all. This is your boy Mario signing out. See you next time.